Hey everybody, welcome back to Before the Echo. This is episode number seven with Dan Infault once again. This is the Q&A uh, podcast where we asked you on the Hunt and Beast Forum uh, to ask any of your late season deer hunting questions. And you guys delivered. We had a lot of good conversation uh, during this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hope everybody's having a great holiday season with Christmas right around the corner. Hope you're enjoying your time off work, maybe getting in some deer hunting and spending some time with uh, family and friends. Before we start the episode, as always, I got to thank Stealth Outdoors for sponsoring Before the Echo. Um, it's that time of year. I'd say if you're wanting to get some Christmas presents at, uh, right now, it's uh, the 21st of December. You may be a little bit late, uh, but um, look on Lou's website. Get you some stealth strips uh, for all your uh, tree stand silencing needs. Um, yep, this episode uh, is going to be a good one, guys. I hope you enjoy it. I hope, uh, again, hope everybody has a great holiday season, and let's get right into it. Hey, Dan, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Just uh, did the Christmas thing at the in-laws this weekend and just waiting around for Christmas here in Indiana now. So, been doe hunting a little bit, but haven't really gotten into anything yet. Um, what about you? You, you guys are, your uh, muzzleloader season's done now, right? Yeah, muzzleloader ended and immediately uh, a doe season started. And that ended. Now we got like just a few days and then they start another 10-day gun season hmm. or 9-day gun season. And uh, then they'll have the month of January we can... Uh, bow hunting um i don't know i might go out and shoot another doe or something but uh it's hard to get around just doe hunt you know yeah um yeah i mean we got one more hunt in us though i think we should go do something for late season as a group you know travel somewhere love to see yeah for sure it's uh it's a good time of the uh the year to be hunting really um it is especially in the northern states where it's cold yeah right yeah late season can kind of be hit and miss here because it can be i mean it was it's you know like i think uh christmas eve it's forecasted to be 62 degrees i mean it's like so it's not you know not always necessarily cold per se when in a deer's eyes um here so um and we don't we we go out early in january so we don't have that late january you know winter um yeah, you get your your seasons get messed up a lot with gun seasons, but at the end, though, too, don't they? They used to. They actually dropped that this year. There's no more uh, no more doe, doe season at the end of the year this year. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, they got rid of it. So, which I think was a good thing. They got rid of it, and then they announced last week that they are increasing all, um, you know, license fees at, um, next year too, which I think is the first time since 2006. They said. Uh, mm. so it's gonna for non-residents it's gonna be like i don't know 20 instead of 25 dollars a tag it's gonna be 33 or something like that mm. um which isn't to me not a huge deal um a lot of people are all, all upset about it but i don't think it's really that bad of a thing um yeah up it, here they got um a nine day what they call holiday hunt yeah and it's really kind of bull crap um they uh they do it uh, for the holidays, so it's like the nine days, the last nine days of the year or something like that, right? Yep. And uh, a lot of the deers are, deer are already shed up here, yep. you know, especially oh, yeah. if it gets cold. And uh, I talked to a biologist up here, and I got him to give me the numbers. And um, for the county I was talking to him about, which is my area, um. 11% of the deer were shed bucks that were harvested on the, you know, on the year I asked them about. Mm-hmm. And 39% were button bucks. Mm. And 3 to 5% are estimated poached or shot a mistake uh, bucks. Yeah. Um, and you add that up, and that's well over 50%. So more than half of the deer shot on a doe-only hunt are bucks at that time of the year, uh, which is... It might sound ridiculous and alarming to a lot of people, but our population's getting low enough where I'd rather it was bucks than does because they're killing our future. You know, yep. if we get a if we get a snowfall at the right timing, 
they'll really slaughter them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't think people realize how devastating that can be for, to have that, that season and to go along with it. And, uh, you know, I talk to so many people up here that uh, that tell me they're against it, you know, and, and that they think it's wrong and they shouldn't have that season. And then they'll be like, are oh, you going out doe hunting? No. Are you? Yeah, yeah, I still got a doe tag. on, And it's like, you just told me you're against that season. And they're all like, well, yeah, but, you know, what are you going to do? And, you know, you participate in that crap and they just keep doing it. Right. You know? Right. Um, but, they're, you know, they're really knocking the numbers down. And we do have control of the hunting. The people do. Yeah, for sure. And they're just taking advantage of us and nobody will stand up and say something, you know, but everybody you talk to, you know, you know, um, probably 75% of the people you talk to are against it, especially the people that really know what they're doing and, you know, you know, understand the management of the deer, you know? Yep. But what are you going to do? No, yeah, that's right. Um, I think uh, a lot of people seem to want to complain about Indiana and the way they do things, but I, I feel like they do a decent job and and them taking that doe season out i think was the right call and i was kind of surprised that they sounds like it yeah what they did that because i mean we don't i don't wouldn't call our herd number in indiana um you know too much by any stretch of the imagination so um no it's lower than here and that's for yeah sure. and i complain about here right <laughs> so. yeah what what hurts us is our gun season opens like i mean it opens like this year was November 13th. So it's, you know, that's pretty hard on the deer. Um, as far as killing a bunch of bucks and everything, you know, it's a pretty good time of year to be hunting with a, with a gun. So, um, a lot of deer get killed yeah. in our gun season. Uh, whereas like if, you know, um, in Iowa, you know, you got gun season, not till December. And I think your guys is even a little bit farther back. I think it's more like Thanksgiving, isn't it? Um, it's the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. No matter when it falls, it's the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. So, um, but it is what it is. And then it's, it's three weeks long too. So it's kind of long, but, um, yeah, you can't have it all. I mean, it's, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think... Well, you got to remember too, like, like you look at Wisconsin, if you go back to, um, like well, it was many, many years, I mean, decades of, you couldn't shoot a doe. I mean, yeah. they would give, I remember when I was a kid, you could apply for a party permit. And if you had a party of, I think it was like 13 people. Yep. Um, one person in your party, if you if you drew, you one person could shoot a doe. You could shoot one between your group. Yep. And uh, um, to think about how long we had to shoot like bucks only to get the population up to to enough where it was stable. And now they just slaughter them like nothing <laughs> with no recourse. And I mean, if they ever get down to those kind of numbers again, it takes a long time to rebuild that because I lived through it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it takes a lot a, of people don't realize that. Nah, for sure. It takes a generation to get, you know, um, <laughs> to, to see things uh, switch around. So, um, yeah, I, I think how I heard like, oh, I think it, I think it may have been a podcast you were on with the hunting public guys and, um, and like John Eberhart and whenever you guys were in the public land challenge, you guys got to talking about, oh, hunter recruitment and, and this and that and how, how states different states do things different and i think aaron mentioned that um you know if you uh if every state was like iowa hunting wouldn't be in a very good position because it's really expensive to hunt iowa and it, you can't find land there to hunt and um all this stuff and people people dream of you know i wish my state was like iowa and it's like well in reality it's like uh, it's not all it's you know cracked up to be if you for for hunting in general um mm -hmm. so you know, I thought that was a interesting point and a different way of, of looking at it. We got to have um, hunter numbers and deer numbers and states like Michigan yeah. and Wisconsin and with those deep traditions, Pennsylvania, that to keep hunting going instead of um, you know charging seven hundred dollars for a deer tag and and uh, right. You know. <laughs> I mean, there's so many people too that are on board with it. They're just like, well, you know, I think a tag should cost two hundred dollars or you know, yeah. it shouldn't. You know, yep. that's a deer tag. It shouldn't cost it th that much. Yep. You know, it should, co it should cost like, um, you know, maybe double what your, your state tag costs. And maybe they, they keep it to a minimum by, uh, by applications, not, right. you know, they shouldn't uh, price people out of hunting. Yeah. They really shouldn't. You know what it comes down to? And people are, people will be like, why are you bitching about price? You know, 
you're a trophy hunter or whatever. And I kind of am, you know, I'm hunting in, in on video and stuff and I make money at it. So for me, that $700 price tag for Iowa, I don't care. Cost me a lot of money to get down there anyways. But right. I'm thinking about the regular guy, the, you know, you know, the kid that grew up on the farm and drives over to, um, you, you know, Missouri and lives over in Missouri, but he wants to come home and hunt with his dad. And now he can, you know, he can get a tag every four years and it costs him $700 to hunt with his dad. Yeah. Kind of, kind of ridiculous to hunt on his own family farm. Right. You know, um, but you know, there's a lot of battles out there to fight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, but, and not everybody agrees with me. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that have other points of view on that. Right. Um, than I do. Yeah. And I'm, you know. I guess I, I mean, I, I'm thankful there's places like Iowa that I can every now and again go hunt, you know, every, well, it's probably going to be more like five years now, but, um, just yeah. with point creep and stuff, but yep. It's still cool that those places exist, but I think in the big picture, it's probably a good thing that we have the, some of the States we do. Um, but we, yeah, yeah. I, I think if we had a, um, uh, a bigger fight to fight, I think the one that I'd really like to see a battle over that nobody seems to want to fight is, uh, do a once public, always public kind of thing. If we get people on board with that, because, uh, yeah, uh, it just makes me sick watching, uh, you know, you, you get the right governor in and he wants to make money for the state. He starts selling all the public land, you know? Yeah. They do that in Wisconsin. You know, not every state's the same, but in Wisconsin, they can sell public land. Right. They've sold off several parcels that I hunted, you know, and, and like to hunt. Yes. Yeah, so. And uh, I don't have a choice in it, and it's kind of my land, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but the governor's kid got a new car, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> I was, I was talking to someone from Wisconsin the other day, one of my buddies, and he was telling me, I don't, I don't know the full story, but something about some company bought some land off of a, um, off the state. I, I don't know what, how that ended up happening, but he se- seemed like it was illegal. He said, but it ended up going through and, and now they like traded or something. They traded some, you know, crappy, I don't know if it was some, some land they traded or something and ended up getting rid of some of the good, good public or what, what you would call good public. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was it was a little bit confusing, but it sounded like it wasn't a very good deal um, for the public. Um, that is, I guess, a big good deal for the corporation that bought it. But um, yeah, I always wanted to start a, a group uh, once public, always public, make shirts and stuff, and promote mm-hmm. it and get some uh, legislators on board. But you know what? The guys only got so much in them. You know, I right. can only do so much. Right. And I kind of like the things I'm doing now, and I'm already too busy to do anything else. So, mm. anybody out there listening wants to take on that battle, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I support them. That's for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so we were talking about early, late season uh, earlier, and that's the, what this podcast is is going to be about. As soon as me and Dan can stop BSing here. Um, this is the, the podcast where we guys asked you, uh, to, to let us know your specific late season questions. And I got them here in my hand. Um, we had a lot of questions, but we had a lot of repeat stuff. So I tried to kind of go through them and eliminate some of that for everybody just for, um, the sake of time and, and making sure we had, uh, you know, had all of our ducks in a row. So if, if, uh, your question doesn't get asked exactly how you worded it on the paper here, that's why I just. Uh, maybe down the line, someone asked the, a similar question or something like that. So, um, you ready to get started, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so had a lot of questions about food and how you find food in the late season and what are they eating? And there was several of those type of questions. So I thought maybe you could just kind of start with, with what they're eating that time of year. And then, uh, we'll work through those, uh, from there. Okay. Well, I'm sure it varies from state to state yeah. and area to area. I mean, you get down, you know, further south, and I'm sure it's different than up here. But for me, for late season, I mainly know up here. And um, I got two answers for that. And the first one is to answer the question the way that they want it answered. And I would say um, you you look at uh, farmer crops, you look at uh, dogwood, you look at um, – logged areas, uh, heavy stem count, mm-hmm. um, those types of things. Um, and it's pretty obvious. I mean, you drive past thick stuff. That's probably where the food's going to be that or crops. I mean, uh, I'll look for corn, standing corn. Um, 
even stubble corn where farmers uh, lose a little corn. I mean, most farmers have better equipment nowadays, and they don't drop so much. Right. But you have a few farms out there that do. And if you have a field that has a lot of corn dropped in it, um, there'll be a lot of deer going in there in the evenings, you know, you can glass them and that kind of stuff. I guess, um, but the answer that I'm, I'm wanting to answer with this isn't really which food you should you should uh, go look for, which food you should concentrate. It's more that uh, you got to get that food thing out of your mind and think about, well, where are they living? Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of got to look for food like, I mean, a, a cornfield or something can be a huge draw. You know, if you got some standing corn that's standing late, it can draw a deer from forever. But it's also going to be obvious to everybody else. But for me, I just got to find the deer. And then it doesn't matter what they're eating. So to, to me, when you look at late season, you got to look at um, where deer are going to be concentrated on. They're going to be concentrated in areas that have enough cover from the bed secure, securely. Because bedding areas are um, cut back tremendously in late season in the north. Um, especially you get a little snow on the ground. All of a sudden, there's only so many places that'll hold uh, deer and especially a good buck. Good buck's going to have to have a secure spot. And uh, you lose that thickness. You lose your leaves and you lose everything else. And all of a sudden, there's very small acreages that can hold all those deer. So then knowing that, you go around and you look at those acreages for deer sign and, you know, hunt them. So I don't think it's really as much about food as what people want to make it. It is. Food has a lot to do with it. But I, you know, I didn't look at any of the questions, so don't take this wrong. But just based on the way people think, I would say probably 95% of the questions you got were food-based. Yeah, there was quite a few of them. Um, There was a lot of specifics about bedding. I mean, there was, you know, things like... uh, um, you know, do they still bed in the marshes when they're frozen and, and, and whatnot? Um, oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. And there's also, you know, questions like you mentioned deer go a long way for, for a nice cornfield. And, you know, someone asked like how, how far is a long ways? Um, I don't know if you got any thoughts. Want me to on answer that? that one? Yeah. I answer that one. So, so I can remember several times when I've, I've been hunting, uh, let's say two or three miles into, a, a big swamp or marsh and seeing deer heading towards corn that's two or three miles away through thick cover. So they're going to take uh, a mature buck for sure is going to take um, secure bedding. He's going to take safety over food. Yep. So a lot of times on, on, especially your more pressured public lands, if you got corn there and you got sign of big bucks there, but there's hunter sign and stuff around too. Even if the hunters have kind of gone away because it's January and nobody hunts in January except for us dumbasses that are, you know, <laughs> have frozen brains. E- even so, I mean, they're still living on the fact that every time they've gone near that field the whole time, the whole year, they've been shot at or ran into people or, right. you know, ran into traps. That they're going to be leery of that and they're going to hold back. You know, um, obviously it gets a little better on unpressured or private land. Um, that doesn't have as much pressure, um, but they will they will walk uh, sometimes as much as two miles, maybe more. And I think if you get up into the real far north woods, they might go five miles. Oh yeah, to go from secure cover to to food, you know. Um, but uh, the distance can be pretty far. So a guy just setting up on a on a food source uh, can be fooling himself. I think I think for me. Um, I have to look at, you know, I see sign of a of deer on this food source. The first thing I'm doing is saying, okay, which way are they coming from? So say you have tracks in the snow or, or you got tracks in the mud or you can kind of gain a, a direction of travel and you're looking around and you're like, well, okay, they're coming from thick cover adjacent here. Well, then you got to assume that uh, they may be bedding in that thick cover. But if they're coming through semi-open cover or stuff that you're like, well, maybe they bit there, they're probably not. They're probably going through it. So I'm going to look for the first what I think is bedding cover outside of that field. And uh, if you know the area, the best way to go about it is to um, not walk right down the deer trail to the edge of the cover and set up because then you get one hunt and they figure you out because your, your scent goes right through there, right? 
right. it's coming in on a crosswise and just kind of pick it off as you go through right mm-hmm. from the sides so circle around and, and cut the trails that come into there but uh, uh does that answer the question yeah i think so i think um there was another question on here about um specifically where the like where bedding is what kind of here i'll just read it what kind of Betting our mature bucks are living in at this time of year with all the gun hunting season over with. Um, yeah, so this was my buddy Gary, and he was he was just he's just asking specifically, um, you know, after yeah, all the pressure you guys have up there, you know, you know where he lives at and all that. And that's right. like, where do they go after that? <laughs> well, the, the big thing is uh, thick cover. Yep. Um, then the second thing is overlooked they're going to be off to the side somewhere. They're not going to be where all that pressure was. They're going to be someplace where the pressure wasn't, you know, off to the side. Um, I can think of one spot right now where I'm seeing some deer or I've been kind of watching them and they're on private bedded and they're feeding them private. But when they go from their bed to the food, they cross a little corner of public Mm. and uh, you can shoot them in between. So that's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I'm looking for some little niche. You know what I mean? Um, first of all, I just got to locate deer. So I'm, lo- you know, locating numbers of them, and and they're going to be in that thick, overlooked stuff. So you got you got to really put on a lot of miles, basically. So um, when there's snow, it's a lot easier because you can drive around, and look at the snow. You can glass it from a distance to see if there's tracks or whatever. Uh, I'll drive around blocks and look at the tracks going in and out. There doesn't have to be a lot of them, but if you see deer tracks going in and out, there's probably deer in there. Then you can go and check a little better, you know, if there's, you know, some decent tracks coming in and out. Um, if there's no snow, well, then you might have to do some footwork and go in and actually see sign um, of browsing and stuff like that. But the trouble is, is if you get in too far, I mean, you start spooking them and stuff. Um, yep. Yeah. For me, uh, a big part of late season um, is going to be driving around in the evening to locate them. You just drive by all those thick spots with, with binoculars in the evening time for the last hour of daylight, and you, you locate deer and you, you try to find a shooter from the truck. Um, once you find that area that has some deer, same thing. You can't just jump in there and start hunting. You have to sit back and watch them. And the best thing about late season is these deer are on, a, on the best patterns they are on for the whole year. Mm-hmm. There's no other time of the year that they do the same thing repeatedly over and over again as much as late season. And until you interrupt them, they can be pretty much on a locked system about how they do things. So no reason to rush in there and just screw it up. Sit back and you watch it for a day or two see how they come in and out, where they head to, how they go through, what deer come out that would bust you, and just figure out a niche of how you can get in there based on the wind, the thermals and stuff, and set up and kill that buck without getting busted by all the eyes. Because that's the hard thing about late season is, is they come out in groups and you don't have much cover. So you get seen easier. So you might have to beat 10 or 15 set of eyes before you kill the one or the one that comes out that you want to kill. So, um, that can be very difficult. And, uh, there's been times, um, I can remember late season hunts where I had a giant at 10 yards. I start drawing my bow and a buck to my left blows that was watching me draw my bow and spooks the one in front of me. I mean, that's happened to me when you're, when you're dealing with that many deer. Um, that was, uh, that was hunting in, um, a patch of dogwoods in the middle of a swamp where all the deer were coming into this dogwood through the snow and feeding on it. And um, every time I'd get a shooter in range, I'd have 30 or 40 deer around me and not getting busted by any of them was the hard part. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I I struggle with a lot of my spots is like they can, <clears throat> where the deer bed at, you can they can literally see you all around the property. It's like almost impossible to get in on them. Um, you know, without blowing some deer out. Um, so it can be challenging. Yeah, I, challenging. I, I had one, one time that, um, that, uh, was coming off of this ridge and it was this big buck that had, uh, a shoulder injury and screwed up its antler growth. Mm-hmm. So it had one big stump on one side of its head. And on the other side, it had this real big, heavy four point side. And, uh, that deer would, 
sit up on this hill and it could see the whole bottom. And when it would come down, it would come down to kind of into where it could see. And I'd try to sneak into the spot and I was always watching. And then you'd try to get in without getting, you know, into the site and it would not quite get to you. And then when it got really cold, you know, you figure you can get there, but then you get the crunch and snow. And I ended up, uh, um, I could not get that deer, could not get that deer. He'd either hear me or see me come in there. And then when I would leave, I could hear him come through, mm. you know, right after dark. Right. And be like, I knew that that deer could see me from up there or hear me, one of the two, you know. And uh, I ended up uh, that same year uh, cutting my finger off at work <laughs> in, a, in an accident. Yeah. And I uh, couldn't pull my bowl back. And it was the end of the year. So I took my buddy and I devised a plan and we walked in there together and uh, had him go up the tree with the stand in it. And uh, I walked in a circle and then came right back out and I wasn't a hundred yards from him and he yelled over, he had it. As soon as I started leaving, he said he came out and was watching me leave. He was walking down the hill looking at me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. First time he did like that. The first time we went in together and I left. <laughs> Yeah, that, the kicker of that was like a week later, I determined that my finger was good enough and I was able to hunt. Yeah. I just didn't close my hand when I was shooting. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So there there are some uh, like kind of cool specific questions here. Um, this guy asks, is it more beneficial to hunt late, late season cold fronts or warm fronts? Oh, I think cold for sure. Yeah, me too. Um. Uh, when it gets bitter cold, for whatever reason, they move really well. And now, I don't know how much cold you get down by you, Josh, or, or further south. But up here, when we get down to about that 10-degree mark, they really start moving. And, and if it gets colder, they move even more. And then they'll be out an hour before dark and uh, and go into the food sources. When it gets cold, it's like they go from they, – they get – they can't bed for too long. Right. So in the evening, they're antsy to get up. And they get up and the food, and the more food they put on, the warmer they stay. It's like the food burns, and that, that's what keeps them warm. So they're feeding in the evening in daylight quite a bit in that bitter cold weather. Um, and they're not doing that in the warmer days. In the warmer days, I'm having them uh, come on the edge of darkness, and you're trying to beat that uh, that closing time. It gets a little harder. You have a hard, enough, hard time getting close enough to the bedding because how, how little cover there is to get enough movement to kill them. And uh, when you get that coldness, I'm getting them to move quite a distance in daylight. Yeah, and I so, think... So, yeah, definitely cold. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a biologist. I'm just playing one on a podcast right now. But I'm, I'm pretty sure the reason deer do that is because I think when they're cold like that, they actually burn more calories just laying there. I mean, they, you know, their their body is trying to keep a warmer temperature so they start to get hungry earlier in the day um, from being cold all day so i think that's why they they have to move early is because they're you know they're starving um because their body's yeah, trying for to stay a long warm. cold and it's been cold yeah. for like five six days mm-hmm. i mean bitter cold yeah man it gets good yeah i mean really uh some of my greatest memories of late hunting late season hunting where i had my best encounters there's actually advisories about not going outside yeah. You know, wind chills were well below zero and stuff. And uh, that's when I had some of my greatest hunts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't get we don't get cold like you guys. I mean, we, you know, if it's 10 degrees where you're at, it'll be 25 here. So, um, uh, and we don't we don't typically get those cold spells, at least during deer season. Now in February and stuff, in January, it gets pretty cold here too, but... Uh, we don't get those spells of five or six days of bitter cold. It usually warms back up. But um, Generally, we don't really get good hunting until right in the last few days of the year. Yeah. You know, is when it starts to get good. But uh, the last few years, they've been letting us hunt in January. You know, yeah, um, right. And then you get then you get them, them really cold days. Um, I mean, I think everybody remembers me shooting at uh, – that uh, buck where I said, uh, "No, let's go get that buck," and, and went out and killed it. Yeah, I the mean one... that was that was like January fourteenth. That was, you know, a cold time of the year. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, 
Okay, here's another one. Um, how do you prefer to layer your clothing for really cold days, and and how do you pack it in? I guess. Which I know how you you may answer this, but ah, Jesus, yeah, I'm I'm pretty bad at this. Josh is like better at answering this. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, like an old farmer or a hick with that stuff. I just uh, put on some wool socks and uh, you know some long underwear and a pair of jeans and uh, put some coveralls on and I shiver. Yeah, um, I can't wear gloves. Uh, that's the hardest part for me is I just could never shoot right if I I wear gloves. Um, so if it's really, really cold or I wear a glove on my, uh, bow hand, but my fingers hand, uh, I can't, Right. I just can't shoot right. It, it even throws my bow hand off a little bit. It just throws something off about how I hold the bow and, and, uh, but if I, I, if I have to, I'll wear one on that hand. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm usually really cold. I, I, I bring those little, uh, hand warmers, Yep. you know, in that, in that bitter cold stuff. And, uh, I think a big part of it for me is, uh, I acclimate. And what I mean by that is I, uh, I start, uh, like if I'm hunting late season, I'll go outside a lot with no jacket on and stuff, spend some time out there when I'm doing work around the yard and stuff. And I'll force myself to, um, expose myself to the cold a lot more. If you stay in warm areas, you get acclimated to warm areas and then the cold hurts even more. I'll get myself used to the cold. <laughs> yeah. I've a, uh, well, well, uh, we're going to do a late season hunt this year up, um, up North and I've been doing a bunch of research on clothes and how to stay warm. Cause I'm from Southern Indiana and I'm afraid of getting cold, I guess, for some reason, but I've been talking to a bunch of guys up there and a lot of them recommended getting like an IWAM, uh, suit or, uh, they call them, uh, the heater body suit. They said those are really nice, uh, when it gets real cold like that. And then, uh, a lot of people also recommended a heated uh, electric vest, um, which I thought mm-hmm. that was a good idea because that's something that's not, you know, cumbersome or bulky and would produce heat, you know. Um, yeah, and then I'm a big yeah, fan. I got of, one of those from from Tide Wee. It's pretty nice. Yeah, and then I'm a big fan of like having a um, a hand muff and putting those uh, those hot hands inside of that, keeping your hands warm. Because I'm like you, Dan. I don't. Mm. I can't have anything on my hands when I'm shooting. So I just keep that muff on and, and put my hands inside of there and it keeps them pretty warm. And another thing that works good is those, they have the same company. I think it's the same company that makes the hot hands. They have body warmers too that like stick onto your, you can put it on your belly or your back and um, those mm-hmm. work pretty good too. Um, but yeah, you're not. And then another thing is, is man, the worst part about it for me is not, it's not sitting there. It's whenever you're getting down, trying to put all your, take your tree stand down and put your stuff back together and your hands are freezing. That's the worst part to, to me. I don't, I can kind of set in whatever for a couple hours, but man, whenever you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, take tree stand down and you're, you're holding metal and everything else. That's when I get cold. Yeah. Um, that brings up a good point. I mean, there's, there's some things too, that a lot of people don't realize if they've never done it. When you get in that bitter cold uh, weather, for whatever reason, your bowl will feel twice as heavy. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you have a hard time with your bowl in warm weather, you're not even going to be able to pull it back in cold weather. Yeah. Your muscles will lock up. Um, it is, it is like twice as hard when it's cold uh, and, and with the clothes on, it's even more, you know, you get heavy clothes on your arms. Um, it can be really hard to pull your bowl back and that stuff. And then yep. you have to be able to pull it back smoothly when you ain't got cover. Yep. 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 I think it'd be a good idea if you, if, if you guys haven't shot your bow in the cold weather to go out there and just shoot it to see, you know, for some, something that's making no, like, cause all that stuff's magnified, you know, times 10 when it's 10 degrees outside It's pull your bow back, make sure there's not something that's a little bit loose or pops or something. Whenever you, you do pull it back and get it fixed. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And then plus you're shooting with all that stuff on too. It's can be a little bit different. Make sure a lot of, a lot of people throw on these big, heavy coveralls or whatever. And then, don't realize your bow is going to, you know, they're super big on your arm or something. Your bow hits that. They can throw things off and be frustrating. So just check all that stuff. Um, if you do like buy, if you buy some big old, you know, suit for late season hunting, um, I think that's something to think about. All right. Yeah. Um, this guy asked about water and, and and water crossings do do you feel that they abandoned water crossings um uh um to go back to bedding 
when it gets that cold. Hold on, hold on. Before you go there, that guy had some um, part of his question, I think, was how I packed the stuff in, right? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I packed the stuff in on my, on my stand on the back. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I have uh, some really warm uh, coveralls and jacket that uh, I got from uh, Mitch Huffman when he used to own uh, Legendary. So I think Legendary probably still sells the stuff, but, man, is that stuff warm. Yeah, and I don't like that bodysuit you were talking about. I don't like that; it's so bulky. Yeah, you look like a giant up in the tree. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm usually hunting in pretty small trees. Mm-hmm. So, what I do is, is if I wear that stuff to my stand, I'll sweat up like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I'm gonna freeze. So the coveralls um, and the jacket get rolled up and they get bungeed to the back of my stand. Mm-hmm. And I actually go in pretty light where you're cold and you first start walking because yep. you're walking away. You, you stay fairly warm. And then at the bottom of the tree, well, first I put the stand up. And then after I got the stand up, then I put all that clothes on and I climb up because you don't really want to be climbing the tree dressed like that either. I mean, I mean, you don't want to be setting everything up, like setting up the sticks, climbing up and down and setting the stand and full of stuff on. So the last thing I do is get that uh, my suit on and my jacket on. Yeah, I think that's a that's a, one of the keys is just not not being all wet when you get to the the stand from from sweating. That can be yeah, that that'll can, stop your hunt. Uh, I'll that, say that, that. that's a stopper. Yeah, for sure. No, those are good points. I'm glad you brought that back up because um, yeah, I've definitely walked in and been and wore my coveralls in and stuff, and and uh, it's not very comfortable or fun. All right. Right. So uh, yeah, th- this guy he it's the same. Um, same guy asking the questions about the clothing, but he was asking about deer using uh, water uh, this time of year. He said, "Will they will they stop crossing water uh, to go back to bedding?" Will they stop crossing it? Yeah, he must have a specific if the, if the spot. Water is he's open, of. They'll, they'll go through it any time of the year. Okay, it can be really freezing, and they'll go right through it. Um, will they stop using it as if it gets a thin layer of ice on it? They hate ice that you stand on, you, and then you'll bust through. Yeah. They go across it when it's solid, and they don't like it when it's when they start breaking through. Um. So they don't like standing on ice where you fall and put a leg through, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. No, I think that's a. I think that answers his question good. I'm sure that's what he was thinking about. He must have a specific spot that, um, they have to cross water to get back to bedding. Okay, here's one that a couple people asked. Would you ever hunt mornings in late season? Uh, I would if I had a reason. So, like, if I'm seeing deer in the morning on camera or something like that, I will. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally I do, um, but not too often. Most of the time, the majority of the movement's in the evening. Yeah. Um, and it's really cold in the morning too. <laughs> but there's not, nothing's a hundred percent. I mean, if, right. you get, if, if you're seeing something in the morning or your cameras are picking something up in the morning, Hey, by all means hunt in the morning. Yeah. Um, every now and then you'll have, uh, days, I don't know if it's moon phase or whatever, where you get some, um, fairly decent morning movement for a few days in a row. But for the most part, the evenings are real consistent. Yeah where the mornings aren't so consistent. And like I said before, these deer in late season are in a really good pattern. So if you mess that pattern up because, well, I got a morning to hunt, I'm going to go out there and do this. Well, you probably kiss that spot goodbye once you went in there and, and screwed with it. You know, so you got to right. make that first strike count. So because of that, uh, I'm more consistent on hunting evenings um, in late season. If I do hunt someplace in the morning in the late season, it's probably going to be someplace I know. I know where I'm going, and I know exactly what tree I'm going to be in kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and the same thing, I'd probably sit back and watch it before I hunted it once, too. Or I'd have a camera, and a camera picks something up in daylight. Yeah, it's so hard to find. I mean, for me, and maybe it's just – my, the particular areas I, I hunt, it's hard to find a good morning spot where you can get in clean for me. Um, I don't know if it's just the nature of the way property set up or where you can park or this and that. And it's just, man, sometimes, um, I, 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 I struggle in the morning sometimes outside the rut, um, getting in spots without 
um, mm-hmm. spooking deer. Um, whether it be because you you know you have to park in a specific area and then to get to where you're going, you're walking through fields or along fields or um, just uh, it's real easy to to blow deer in general in the morning. So anytime anytime you're hunting in the morning, you really got to have a plan to get in there where. Um, you know, the, the, I can think of some spots where it's, you know, it's been decent where like, um, where they're feeding out in fields and two miles back into the, yeah. uh, through, uh, uh, a marsh is a spot that's got some really good dogwood bedding or something. And there's a funnel of an Island that goes into it and you get on that Island and get some fairly decent, uh, morning come baggage. But, uh, a lot of times, uh, you get out to the Island, they're already there. Right. Um, you get out there real early sometimes and, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty quiet in the morning in late season. Right. Um, well, it is every, every, every time of the year. I mean, it's really, really silent and you can be heard forever. You know, so it's, it's hard. The evening, it's easier to just slip in there and get in between them, you know, or they're in that thick cover and, uh, and, uh, um, getting into that thick cover and having them come to you is kind of difficult, you know, in the mornings. Yep. All right. Here's a good question. Do you ever, do you ever take more chances late season and push the envelope harder? I probably always push the envelope, don't I? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, probably not. I probably, uh, I'm a little more conservative in late season because I think I got time. Mm -hmm. So um, what I mean by that is if I see a deer two days in a row doing the same thing on uh, um, during rut or early season, mm-hmm. I'm going to panic to get out there the first day I got the right wind or the first day I got the right thing going because they'll be on pattern for a day or two and then they're gone and you got to find them again. And they'll be on pattern for two, three days and then they're gone again. So you got to act immediately. Where late season, they seem to get on a food person, a pattern, and just stay on it. And they'll stay on it for weeks if no, no if nobody bothers them if nobody harasses them they'll just stay in that pattern late season right so late season i seem to feel like i have a little bit more time to just um, make sure i got my eggs in a row now i i still got a little bit of stress that somebody else could stumble in there or something could happen or whatever but i know that if if i rush in there and blow stuff nothing's going to happen for sure so i want to sit back and just make sure i got things right so late season i'm a little more cautious probably about getting it right yeah that's what you mentioned you mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast that you would you'll set back a few days and make sure that you know what they're doing is what they're doing um right. so you kind of answered that earlier too but um you talked about this too a little bit just a second ago but how do you deal with frozen country ground noise when you're trying to sneak through the woods <laughs> yeah that, that's that's uh, a bit of a hassle i mean you can use a tactic that we talked about earlier. Another thing you can do is just go out super early. Like, uh, yeah, maybe you go out like noon mm-hmm. and just let it calm down. Just, you, you know, let them forget about it. Remember they aren't just a stupid animal. Right. They, they'll, you know, think about yourself out there. I mean, you, you, you hear something walk through the snow. You think a deer is coming. You're like, there's one coming at me. I can hear him walking. All of a sudden the walking stops and you're just locked in that area. You're looking for movement. You're like, Okay, is there a deer over there? Is there a deer over there? If nothing happens for 15 minutes, you'll start glancing around in other directions, but you'll keep looking over there every now and then. Nothing happens for a half an hour. You might look over there every now and then. You might remember that. After an hour, you probably just forgot all about it, right? Right. Honestly, we always hear we hear stuff out in the woods, right? Deer do too. Crap goes through. Things happen. After a moment of time, they'll forget about you. Yeah. So uh, if you don't kick them out of the area, if you're not, you know, doing a drive on your way into your spot because you're so loud, <laughs> they'll eventually forget. But you, they ain't going to forget for like a half hour, 45 minutes before dark if you get in that early. Right. I mean, that late. You, you got to, you know. Um, another thing to do is to, um, if you got that crunchy stuff, is to watch your uh, long-term predictions for weather and uh, wait for wind. Um, wait for a day that uh, it thaws and it's softer, you know, or something. Um, probably wind is your best one because you're going to need that cold weather. Right. Um, that makes it crunchy, right? 
but uh, wind can um, cover your noise really well, you know, if you get heavy winds. And then again, too, you probably still got to go early because winds always seem to calm in the evening right before dark. Not always, but most of the time. Yep. Okay, this guy asked a pretty good question about um, about late season betting here. He was, you know, he he <clears throat> his question was kind of long here, but I'll summarize it. He um, he's noticed some of his deer have have moved bedding areas out of some wet, nasty areas that uh, are probably frozen. Now he's in Ontario, um, but he's asking about these new places that the bucks are bedding now. What kind of sign do they leave? Do they rub? Do they do? Do they leave scrapes? Anything like that? Or are you going strictly off of tracks? You know, they they might. I mean, sometimes there's some um, there's some deer like uh, if you're still in like December time, you might have some deer still in you know like some fawns and stuff that's still going to heat, yeah. you know, or second rut. So you might get some sign, but for the most part, late season shifts, there usually ain't that much rubbing or uh, scrapes or things like that. You probably got to look more at the the size of the tracks, probably. Um, I think that's going to be your biggest indicator because uh, those deer are going to be on survival mode. They're not going to be on rub tree and uh, mark right. territory and I'm bigger than you are mode. They're going to be on just getting through the winter mode. Right. So they're going to be bed to food. Um, and for the most part, the deer should be more congregated and the does should be kind of back with the bucks because the breathing's kind of over and they're no longer scared of them. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a matter of finding a group of deer that has a buck worthy of shooting in it. Yep. Okay, this is the, the last question. It's from my, my buddy Zank. He was the one that was with me when I shot my buck in Wisconsin this year. Um, he said, what do you think about midday movement in late season? Uh, I mean, you see it occasionally, but... Um, I really don't think it's something that's uh, huge. I think most of your movements in the evening. Uh, I would say that I, I've seen more midday movement in late season in uh, the far north in the big woods. Yeah. Um, but even up there, I think late season is more, you know, the last hour of, of daylight, you know, um, sometimes two hours. But yeah. Uh, I don't see much midday movement. You got to remember too, the days are much shorter, so they got a longer nighttime. Right. And I think they get up earlier because of how cold they are, um, as we discussed earlier. So they can only bed for so long because it's so freaking cold, right? Yeah. Which, you know, but I think they just get up earlier and, you know, come out earlier. So especially if they're unharassed, they might come out two hours before dark. Um, But not always. You know, but uh, as far as midday movement, I don't see a whole lot of it. Yep. All right, that's it. You got any other comments about late season you wanna you wanna talk about? Well, <laughs> nothing I can think of. How about I, you? I guess the only thing I'd say is we are me and Dan and a few other guys are doing a late season challenge. We're not going to say where yet, um, but that is coming up here after Christmas, after the New Year. So. I guess everybody can kind of look forward to that on the Hunting Beast channel here in the next uh, month or so. Um, it sounds like a good challenge because it's one, one of those ones where you can't win, you're probably going to fail. Yeah. I like those <laughs> <laughs> for some odd reason. Uh, yeah. It, well, it, I mean, like you said, it seems like late season does depend a lot on the weather um, as far as it needs to be cold for it to be good. And, you know, we're, you, you section out a week to go hunting somewhere. It may be, may be cold, may not be cold, you know. Um, right that's the thing yeah i mean we're gonna have to deal with the weather we get yep so um i'm hoping that we get some nice you know cold temps yep um it makes kind of a pain for walking around and scouting and all that kind of stuff but uh it makes for shooting deer pretty good and i i kind of hope that we have a little bit of snow yep you guys had a melt off didn't you the other uh day you guys got pretty warm didn't you yeah we ain't got no snow up here yeah. But I hope we have snow where we're going. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. Um, but snow on the ground for a few days where you can see a pattern of tracks would be good. Yeah. I don't think that uh, we're going to see much pressure. I don't think many people hunt this time of the year. I no. think just the diehards, kind of the guys yep. that really want it, 
Yeah. A lot of people are, don't have archery tag either, you know, that are diehards. Right. So, um, that's, that's the one thing we didn't mention about late season is, man, you pretty much got it to yourself. Yeah. I hardly ever run into anybody late season. No, that's that's very true. Um, it is a good time to hunt. Uh, that's another reason it's yeah. a good time to hunt. You don't have to worry about people typically. So. Yeah, there's so many people that are just focused on the rut. You know, they have yep. no idea, you, you know, um, how great it is to just hunt all those different time periods that, you know. Yeah, I'm, ex- great. I'm excited because, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I haven't hunted late season that much. I can't think of a, uh, outside of Kentucky, I, I'll go down there every now and again during late season if I have time, but I can't remember the last time in Indiana I had a, a tag because, you know, we only get one tag here in Indiana, so. I can't remember the last time I had a tag after gun season was over. Um, so. For me, I think, too, I, I think uh, where we're going, the deer are really going to concentrate in thick, you know, uh, thick areas. Yeah. And they're in a lot of thick areas. And I think we might have concentrations of deer in, in certain areas. You know, maybe that's just me uh, big thinking, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think we should be able to I... at, least, uh, at least get on some deer. Yep. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to hang out and camp for a week and all that stuff. I'm ready to, um, life seems to be really hectic this time of year. Whenever you got, um, all kinds of stuff going on and, um, everything, I'll be ready yeah. to relax for a week. I like the idea around. of doing a challenge in late season too. Who else would do that? Or yeah. else do it during the rut or, right. you know, right. Yep. I think, I think, uh, it'll be a good, good show for everybody. So, uh, we'll have a good group of guys yeah. too. Um, Anyway, yeah, so um, with that, we're about right at an hour again, so it's about perfect. Um, thanks for watching. Ever, I always say watching because I'm used to making videos, but thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, if, if you don't mind, go ahead and tell someone about this, this podcast, and hopefully we can make it grow a little bit, and um, we'll, we'll talk to you guys on the next one.